Well, about eight years ago, my son Coben was three years old and like a lot of other kids that morning, he was getting dressed and ready for school. Uh, but this morning was the school picture day, right? And uh, if you're a parent, you, you know how difficult that day can be uh, wrestling with your kids in the morning, arguing with your kids about what they're gonna wear for school pictures. And, and my wife, especially on days like that, she likes to set their clothes out the day before, the night before, so that it's ready to go. And, and Coben, uh, being three years old, wasn't really about what my wife had ready for him to wear. He wanted to wear his Luigi outfit that he had just gotten for Halloween. He loves Luigi. Uh, most kids love Mario, but he loves Luigi and he wanted to wear his Luigi outfit. Well, my wife obviously said, no, you're not wearing your Luigi outfit. And thus an argument ensued. But here's what happened. They compromised, right? And my son Coben got to wear his Luigi hat to his class picture. You see everybody else is dressed nice here, but Coben's here in his button up shirt with his collar, with his Luigi hat on. I mean, that's my son, Coben. He's always different. He's always wearing different things than what everybody else is doing. He's always doing different things than what everyone else is doing. And that, that's just him. A couple of years ago in a baseball game, my son's team, Coben, he, they're losing by like 20 runs. And he's playing catcher and between every play and, uh, and, and after every pitch, he, stand, he throws the ball back and then he just starts dancing. I mean, he's getting after it. He's getting down. I mean, he's like literally break dancing there behind the plate. The umpire's having to tell him, hey, hey son, <laughs> you, know, we got, you know, next play, next pitch, you know, whatever. I mean, he's having the time of his life. Huge smile on his face. The crowd on both sides is entertained by this. They're cheering him on. He knows it. That encourages him. And so he just keeps dancing. I mean, he just, he loves it. He's eating it up in his catcher's gear. I mean, head to toe with his helmet and the pads on, all that stuff. He's just dancing, going to town. After the game, we get in the car and Coben's like, dad, wasn't that a great game? You know, we won and all that. And I was like, no, no, you didn't win. You lost by like 20 runs. He had no idea. He had no idea that they were losing the game. You could say it like this. He was in the game but he wasn't of the game. The game had no effect on him. He was in the game, but he wasn't of the game. He was in his class picture, but he wasn't of his class picture, right? I mean, everybody else is doing something totally different than he is. He's in the class, but he's not necessarily of the class. And here's what I, I want you to see this morning. Here's what I wanna talk to you about this morning. Being faithful to God is being in the world, but not of the world. And I hope to show you that this morning in Daniel chapter one. So if you got your Bible, if you got our app, open that, turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter one. We're in the middle of a series uh, called Kings and Kingdoms. We started it last week. We did an intro to the book of Daniel. Today, we're gonna be looking more at Daniel chapter one, but we're in a series called Kings and Kingdoms. And our hope in this series is not to push you to the left or to the right or pull you to the left or to the right, but to pull you up to give you some perspective, to help you see behind the curtain. The scripture says our battle's not against flesh and blood, it's against the rulers and powers in the unseen world. We, we've got a battle going on, an invisible battle for your heart, for your mind, for your soul. There's a battle going on in my prayer. My hope in this series is to pull you up, to give you some perspective, to allow you to kind of see behind the curtain, over the curtain, to see what's happening in this unseen realm. And you're going to see that all throughout the book of Daniel. But we're doing this series also because I believe that we are in the last days. Um, I believe that Jesus will return in my lifetime. And this book will help give us uh, and, and prepare us for that day. Now, anytime someone starts telling you they, they know the day or the hour, you need to run, okay? <laughs> you need to run from that person because they have no idea what they're talking about. But at the same time, Jesus said that he would come like a thief in the night, but at the same time, even though it would surprise us, uh, the people of God wouldn't be totally surprised, totally caught off guard because we would understand the times. We would, by knowing God's word, we would be able to, to see and to understand the time is near. And I believe the time is near. And Daniel is one of the most prophetic books in all of the scripture. And it will give us some insight and it will show us some things that are going still yet to happen. But we're doing this book because I believe we're also living in a present day Babylon in a very dark, ungodly, godless, rebellious culture. 
And the book of Daniel will help us and it will show us God's gospel and his power and his faithfulness in evil times. And you and I need to know how to survive, how to be faithful in Babylon. And so that's why we're doing this study of the book of Daniel. Now, this is different. We're going verse by verse. We're going chapter by chapter through the book of Daniel. So it's a little bit different than anything that we've done. But as I've told you as a church, we're going to be doing more series like this where we break down God's word verse by verse because you and I need to know God's word. You need to have a deep understanding of God's word, not a social media understanding of God's word that will lead you astray. Most of what I read on social media is wrong. Not a meme understanding of God's word. Most of the memes I see are are, are wrong. Okay, you need a deep understanding of God's word. And the scripture tells us that in the last days, uh, people will gather around them teachers who just tell them what they wanna hear, who just inspire them and make them feel good. And um, so, so to combat that, since I believe we're in the last days, we're gonna be spending a lot more time going through God's word verse by verse um, so that we don't skip over things that we would just rather not listen to that aren't too encouraging. We need to know God's word. We need to know his truth. And sometimes it's going to comfort us and sometimes it's going to convict us. And when you're convicted, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We don't run from conviction. We embrace it. And we submit ourselves to God's word and to his truth. So Daniel chapter one, I hope you got your Bible or a Bible app on your phone. Best thing to do would probably be to open our app, the City Church Lubbock. You can download that on your phone. The verses are all there. Uh, The points are all there. And for you to stay engaged, I I just want to challenge you. Lean forward. Don't get comfortable and sit back. Okay, lean forward, open our app, take some notes. That's the way you're gonna have the most fun in our time together and get the most out of our time together is if you engage in what we're doing here. If you don't, I promise you're gonna be bored, okay? But if you will engage and you will participate, not just watch, then you're going to get something out of today. God will speak to you because this is God's word. So I hope you got your Bible. I got my big Bible for this series, like big Bibles and I cannot lie, all right? So let's go. Daniel chapter one, starting in verse one. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia, both the people of Judah and these sacred objects, back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and and, uh, wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. Verse 7, the chief of staff renamed them with Babylonian names. I would underline that, highlight that, circle that word, renamed. He renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel, watch this, verse eight, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of uh, staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the King will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the King's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. 
At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men, watch this, an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And you'll see that gift on display as we get further into Daniel. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them, watch this, 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. So there are two things I want you to see, and we'll break down this chapter. But, but here's the, the first thing uh, I, I want you to see, and that is that the spirit of Babylon wants to do some things to you. Now, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about when I say the spirit of Babylon, because we said last week that Daniel, number one, is about Babylon. It's about this nation that took Judah and its people into exile. And that's who Daniel and his friends, uh, that's where they come from. They're from Judah and they're from the royal family and they're taken into exile. But Babylon, we said last week, is not just a nation. It is a term. It is a theme. It is an idea for all that is opposed to God from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. In fact, in Genesis, we said last week, you might remember that Babylon is the land of Shinar where the tower of Babel took place. And so even in the very beginning in the land of Shinar with the tower of Babel, we see this people under the influence of the spirit of Babylon rebelling and opposing God. And then all the way to the book of Revelation, in the very end, Jesus returns, he wages war against the beast and the Satan and all, the, uh, all his followers that are gonna wage war against God. And when Jesus returns and defeats them decisively, it says that fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And that's yet to happen. So from Genesis to Revelation, this idea of Babylon, this spirit of Babylon is indicative or it's an idea, it's a theme for all that is opposed to God. So we're going to talk about in the book of Daniel, the nation of Persia and then Greece and then Rome. All of these nations, even today, we said this last week, even today, all nations and governments and schools and media is all under the influence all under the influence of the spirit of Babylon. And so Babylon is not just a nation, it's a spirit. And the spirit of Babylon wants to do three things. Number one, the spirit of Babylon wants to capture you. The spirit of Babylon wants to capture you. Look in verse one and two. It says that Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory. And then he takes the people and the sacred objects from the temple of God and from the royal family and takes them back to the land of Babylonia. The spirit of Babylon wants to capture you, enslave you. How does the spirit of Babylon do that? By setting a trap. The spirit of Babylon will capture you by setting a trap. It was actually the spirit of Babylon that led the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah into idolatry in the first place by tempting them, by enticing them to turn away from God, to worship idols, to engage in sexual immorality, okay? To, to disobey all the, the laws of God. It was the spirit of Babylon that led them away from God in the first place. And then it's Babylon that actually comes in, destroys them and takes them into captivity and takes them into exile. The spirit of Babylon will set a trap for you and it will look good. It will feel good. It will sound good. It will smell good. It will tempt all of your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your desires. 
And it will feel good, look good, sound good. The spirit of Babylon will set that trap. But just like God told Cain in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, God told Cain, hey, Cain, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door like this beast that's ready to pounce. Watch out, Cain, it's a trap. It's a trap. And if you walk through, if you step through that door, it's a trap, it's a snare. And when you step through that door, the spirit of Babylon is enticing you and leading you to step through. Then it pounces. It has you right where it wants you. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. The thief is cunning. And the trap looks good. It feels good. The trap will stroke your pride, your ego, your desire for power, fame, success, wealth. The trap always looks good. It always feels good. But the spirit of Babylon leads Israel and Judah into idolatry and then their reward is destruction, exile, and death by Babylon itself. The spirit of Babylon is a liar. He is a deceiver. And after he sets the trap and you step in it, the spirit of Babylon will watch you die. The spirit of Babylon can never come through on what it promises. Never. It never comes through on what it promises. It always leads you into death, destruction, captivity. So that's, that's the first thing the spirit of Babylon wants to do. Secondly, the spirit of Babylon wants to train you. The spirit of Babylon wants to train you uh, in your children, parents, and their children. The spirit of Babylon not only wants to train you, wants to train your children and their children. It wants to alter and change your family tree. Look in verse four. Nebuchadnezzar says, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And then later in verse five, they were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. The spirit of Babylon wants to train you. Daniel and his friends are likely 14 or 15 years of age when they are taken into captivity. And when they begin this training, Nebuchadnezzar wanted young boys at a teachable age. So they would be able and willing to learn new things. So they could convince them the things they had been taught by their parents were wrong. And so they could retrain them and reteach them in the ways of Babylon. A privileged education was provided for these young men and they learned to speak and write in the language of Babylon and they were to be trained is literally to make them great. When it says they were to be trained, the idea here, the word picture here is that what Nebuchadnezzar was doing and what he wanted for these kids was to make them great in the eyes of Babylon. Not in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of Babylon. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was seeking to do. He wanted to make them great in the eyes of Babylon. And this training period would continue for three years. And it was intended to prepare these young men to serve in the king's court in some capacity. But here's how the spirit of Babylon will train you and your kids by offering a counterfeit. Whatever God creates, watch this, whatever God creates, Satan will counterfeit. And so God is creating and forming a bride for himself. By all, for all those who put their faith in Jesus are called the bride of Christ all throughout, all throughout the scripture. And the relationship between God's people, his kids and, and him is referred to this marriage relationship. And, and we're the bride and, and Jesus, our Lord and savior is the groom. Well, whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Satan and his followers, the spirit of Babylon are called the prostitute. So God has a bride and Satan has a prostitute. And we see that in, in a number of different ways all throughout the scripture, but whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Here's the first thing Satan will counterfeit. The spirit of Babylon will counterfeit is our education. Education. 
The spirit of Babylon wants to train us through offering us a counterfeit education. Daniel and his friends are put at the University of Babylon to literally reverse evangelize them and to retrain them to live and think like Babylon. Parents, let this be a warning to us. That the spirit of Babylon is wanting to train our kids. And whether you realize it or not, your kids are being trained by Babylon. We, we, we all are because we're in Babylon. We're in the world. But if we don't understand and realize that the spirit of Babylon is wanting to train our kids and take them captive, then we won't be as vigilant as we should be. We, we won't be as purposeful as we should be with their spiritual training. And so here's what typically happens. And I know this because I've done youth ministry and college ministry. I did it for years and years and years. And here's what I would see. Here's what we would see over and over and over again happening to people's kids, the kids I loved. Is that they were more committed to baseball and cheerleading and other things of the like than they were to their spiritual lives. And so by the time they graduate and go to college and begin to hear from professors who are paid and who we pay to reverse evangelize our kids, they're not able to stand their ground because they don't know their Bibles. They don't know the word of God. They don't know the truth of God. They know how to play baseball. They know how to cheer. They know how to dance, but they don't know the word of God. And so then we pay professors to reverse evangelize and to train our kids in the ways of Babylon. I saw it happen over and over and over again, and it broke my heart. And if you're not careful, and if you're not vigilant, it could happen to your kids too. There's a statistic that says that 80% of kids that grow up in the church end up turning away from their faith when they get to college. 80%. That's what it was when I was a youth pastor. 80% of kids turn away and their parents are actually paying for it to happen. We need to make sure if Babylon's wanting to train our kids, we better make sure we are training our kids with every opportunity we can. Parents, this is a warning that everything in your kids' lives, their, their school, social media, their friends, movies, music, all of these things, they are training our kids in the ways of Babylon. And so it's my opinion, this is, this is not Bible, but I don't think any teenager should be on social media. Mine aren't, and they won't be. I don't think any teenager should be because I don't think they're ready for it. We've got to make sure we are training our kids to follow Jesus and training them in the word of God. And, and we're devoted and we are committed to environments where they're being trained in the word of God so that they are ready just like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were ready for this training that they would receive from Babylon. Next, the spirit of Babylon, Satan counterfeits sexuality. Counterfeits sexuality. Daniel and his friends, most scholars believe, were made eunuchs. And um, I'm not going to get into all, what all that means. I think most of us know what that means. Uh, let's just say that that means Daniel and his friends were not able to have kids. And that's what happened typically to most people in the king's service that would serve in the palace at this level. They were made eunuchs. And so the spirit of Babylon always wants to emasculate men, tear down God-given gender roles, tear down God-given gender attributes that should be celebrated. The spirit of Babylon wants men to abuse women and take advantage of them alter health, healthy sexuality. Daniel and his friends never marry and never have kids. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon wanted. They wanted to stamp out these people who believe in one true God. And this was one way of doing it. The spirit of Babylon will always alter and try to confuse healthy, God-given, God-ordained sexuality. Next, the spirit of Babylon, Satan, counterfeits religion. 
Daniel and his friends are Hebrews. They believe in the one true God and, and all other gods are not gods. They're actually false gods. They are idols. But Nebuchadnezzar in, in Babylon will try to retrain them in this. And, he, and here's how the first way seems like a very simple and innocent way, but Nebuchadnezzar gives them a different diet. Now you might be wondering, what's the big deal with the diet? Well, two reasons that th th this is a huge deal to Daniel and his friends. Many of the foods eaten at the Babylonian court would have been unclean according to the law of Moses, either inherently or because they were not prepared properly. And to each, these foods would have been a sin for an Israelite and would have rendered the individual ceremonially unclean before God. Here's the second reason. The meat and the wine would have been undesirable to a Hebrew, to an Israelite, because a portion of it was almost always first offered sacrificially to the Babylonian gods, lowercase g, before being sent to the king and was therefore associated with idolatrous worship. And so Daniel and his friends wanted nothing of it. They wanted no part of this food that was sinful for them to eat on many levels. But here's what's interesting. When Daniel writes this book, Daniel almost always uses the prefix, the, the definite article before God. So if you look in verse two, when it says that Nebuchadnezzar took these items from the temple of God, that is literally from the temple of the God. Daniel's making a point. We serve the one and only God. There is no other. All other gods are false gods. They are not gods. They are idols. And so Daniel says, these items are taken from the temple of the God. And then he later says, and they are put back in the treasury in the house of his God, lowercase g. What Daniel is saying here is that Yahweh, God, is God alone. There is no other God. All other gods, Daniel is saying, are illusions. They do not exist. You see, the spirit of Babylon will try to get you to believe that there are multiple ways to God, that there are multiple gods or that there is no God. And this is satanic. This is always what the spirit of Babylon will try to do. We'll try to tempt you. We'll offer this counterfeit. No, there's, there's, there's more than one God. There's more than one way to God, or there is no God. It's a counterfeit religion and it's satanic. Next, Satan will offer a counterfeit government as opposed to the rule of God. Satan will offer, the spirit of Babylon will tempt us with a counterfeit government. The spirit of Babylon wants us to seek after, identify with, and find pride in political power, governments, leaders, and nations. But as you read the book of Daniel, you will find that this is idolatry. The temptation all throughout the book of Daniel is to put your trust in Nebuchadnezzar, in Babylon, in Cyrus, in Persia, in Alexander the Great, in Greece, in Caesar, in Rome. And all of these nations rise and all of these leaders rise and then they fall. And the king of kings is king over all of it and is enabling and is causing these nations and these kings to rise and fall. And so the book of Daniel is a strong warning to not identify with, to not put too much pride in your nation, your culture, or your leaders, because they will let you down every time. And so the book of Daniel will call out this Christian nationalism that has risen in the church. And it will say, this is idolatry. The spirit of Babylon wants to lead us to find pride in and identify with political parties and leaders and nations and governments. But as children of God, we are citizens of the king and of his kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of God first. That is our government. Jesus is our leader. And so the spirit of Babylon, Satan, will offer us a counterfeit government. Then finally, the spirit of Babylon, Satan will offer us a counterfeit success. A counterfeit success. There is, in verse four, we see this opportunity for Daniel and his friends to be trained and then enter, it says in verse four and five, this royal service. Nebuchadnezzar is offering them this place of privilege, power, wealth. 
and saying, if you want this success, then you have to be trained in these ways. We have to train you so that you can be great in our eyes for this service. When Jesus went into the desert, he was tempted by the devil. Over and over and over again, the devil would tempt Jesus with success in the eyes of the world, with money, fame, wealth, power, position, stuff. And Jesus says, no, no, here's what's written in the word of God. Man will live on bread, on, on, on the word of God, the bread of God alone. Satan, the spirit of Babylon, will always offer you a counterfeit success. But success in the eyes of God, we see here in Daniel chapter one, is faithfulness to God. It's not a position. It's not power. It's not fame or money or possessions. It's faithfulness to God. So the spirit of Babylon wants to train you with all these counterfeits. And then finally, the spirit of Babylon wants to name you. The spirit of Babylon wants to name you. Look in verse seven. It says this, that the chief of staff renamed Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah with Babylonian names. And this is huge. And Nebuchadnezzar's smart. He knows what he's doing. Because their names are integrally tied to their religion and to their identity. Watch this. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is what God is. In other words, <coughs> there is no God like the God of Israel. And Azariah means Yahweh or God has helped us or will help us. And all of their godly names, Nebuchadnezzar changed to Babylonian pagan idolatrous names. You see, here's what Nebuchadnezzar knows. If I can rename you, if I can begin to call you something different, and if you can begin to refer yourself to, with, with, to, to yourself with a name or a label that this culture, this world, Babylon has given you, then you will begin to believe and live differently. But their names are God-given. And here's what Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, Hananiah, here, here's what they do. All throughout the book of Daniel, when you read it, you'll notice, they refer to themselves by their Hebrew names. They are called sometimes their Babylonian names, but they refer to themselves by their Hebrew names. Here's the implication. Daniel and his friends know who they are. They know who they are and whose they are. And they reject these false names, these pagan names, these idolatrous names that Babylon, that Nebuchadnezzar gave to them. And they say, no, 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 that, that's not who we are. You can call us that all you want, but that's not who we are. We are who God says we are. We aren't who you say we are. We aren't who Satan says we are. We aren't who our past says we are. We, we aren't even who today says we are. No, no, no. Our name comes from something that is so much greater. It's so much higher than anything this world has to offer. Our names are tied to our God. That's who we are. And so you can label us, you can call us whatever you want, but in their minds, there was no confusion. And so they continue to refer to each other with their Hebrew names. They reject the labels and the names that the spirit of Babylon tried to give them. And they say, that's not who we are. We know who we are. We are children of God. And so we will live like that. We will believe like that. And so they are secure in their identity because they know who they are and they know whose they are. And so this is what the spirit of Babylon was trying to do. And this is what the spirit of Babylon always tries to do. But there's a war going on, like I said, for your heart, your mind, and your soul. And so the spirit of God 
and his kids will do things and will give us things to help fight this battle, to help win this war for our hearts, our minds, and our souls. You see, there's a war going on that we don't see. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, it happened well before the beginning of time. Revelation chapter 12 says there's a, a war that broke out in heaven where Satan and his angels, his followers, waged war against God and God removed them from his presence. And this war continues to this day. It's an unseen war that will become a very visible and seen war one day when God will decisively defeat Babylon and the spirit of Babylon. But until that day, there's a war going on between the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of God inside of us as children of God. And so I told you that the spirit of Babylon wants to do certain things to you, but here's what the spirit of God, the spirit of God will do these things in you. The spirit of Babylon wants to do these things, but it has no real power over you unless you allow those things to happen. The spirit of God will do these following things in you to help you win the war against the spirit of Babylon. And, da and Daniel is recognized as having this spirit within him. As we continue to read the book of Daniel, you'll see Daniel is recognized as having the spirit inside of him that is so much stronger than the spirit or the forces around him. And so this spirit of God and the things that the spirit of God does in Daniel and for Daniel and his friends is available to you. And so here's what the spirit of God will do in you. The spirit of God will give you resolve. The spirit of God will give you resolve. Look in verse eight. It says this, that Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Where did that determination come from? Where did that discipline come from? Where that unwillingness to compromise come from, that comes from the spirit of God that helps us remain faithful in trials to do what's right when everything around us seems and is wrong. The spirit of God enabled Daniel and his friends to not compromise. They refused the royal diet when it could have been taken as an insult and direct act of disobedience against Nebuchadnezzar's order. The pressure from Daniel's peers most certainly would have made the decision difficult. In other words, everyone else was doing it. Now they were different. They were strange. Their behavior could have jeopardized their chance of advancement. The quality of food would have been attractive. It was the best in the land. It would have looked good, seemed good, felt good, tasted good. As every trap from the spirit of Babylon is their new location would have tempted them to be unfaithful. Judah was 900 miles away. Their parents and friends would never know whether or not they kept God's laws, but they knew God would know. It would have been natural to argue that since God had not protected them from captivity, this, this horrible situation they found themselves in, that they didn't have to be careful to obey his commands, that they could have done what a lot of people do today and become bitter with God that things didn't work out the way they thought they should. All of these factors could have caused anyone, especially Daniel and his friends, to compromise. But Daniel and his friends remain faithful to God. They don't take 30 days off. They don't run away. They don't kill themselves. They don't get into arguments. No, they remain faithful to God. The spirit of God will give you resolve. Secondly, the spirit of God will give you favor. The spirit of God will give you favor. Now, oftentimes in the scripture, when we see the word favor, it's the word for grace. But here, the context tells us, and the Hebrew words that are used tell us differently. Here, the idea is influence. The Spirit of God will give you favor and influence with the people around you. Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, was not a follower of God, but he was impressed with Daniel. And it states that God caused Ashpenaz to have a favorable attitude towards Daniel and his friends. And Daniel emphasizes the fact that God was in control of the whole situation the whole time. As God allowed them to not only be into captivity, but would grant them favor in the eyes of their captors. 
God was able to direct the hearts of their captors to accomplish his sovereign will. Ashpenaz genuinely grew to admire and feel affection towards these Jewish captives. You see, here's what you've got to understand. You are always working for your boss's boss. And who's your boss's boss? God. You are always working for your boss's boss. Your place of work is your place of witness. And oftentimes your greatest trials, troubles, tests will be at work as you serve your boss's boss. And so Daniel disagrees respectfully with his boss. And in order to avoid defilement, Daniel asked Ashpenaz if he might be served a substitute diet. In making this request, Daniel is both polite and tactful. He's respectful. You see, we can disagree on policies and parties and governments and all kinds. We can, we can disagree with each other, but we should follow Daniel's example in disagreeing in an agreeable fashion. In the worst of circumstances, Daniel is respectful. He's polite. He's tactful with his boss because he knows he's actually serving his boss's boss. And after passing the test, the young men enter the king's service. So not only does God give them favor with the chief of staff, God is giving them favor with Nebuchadnezzar and lifts them up and raises them up in the Babylonian government. Daniel and his friends are given places of leadership in Nebuchadnezzar's administration by which they would show that their God, Yahweh, is the one true God. Through these men and through the favored position they rose to, God would make them a light to the nations. Even in their captivity, God is being faithful to his word. He's fulfilling his promise. He's fulfilling his covenant to Abraham. That through your seed, Abraham, all the nations on earth will be blessed. All the nations will hear about and will know that I am God. And God, even in their captivity, is using them as missionaries to fulfill his covenant to Abraham. Our God is a promise-keeping God. And so God grants us favor. The spirit of God will give you favor for your good and for his glory. And then finally, the spirit of God will give you strength. The spirit of God will give you strength, both naturally and supernaturally. Look in 17 to 20. It says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel a special ability, a supernatural ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Look in verse 19. When the king talked with him, no one impressed them as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. Now watch this. When the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and chanters in his entire kingdom. God strengthened them both naturally and supernaturally. He did something in them. He strengthened them internally with natural ability and understanding and intellectual ability. God gave Daniel this ability to interpret dreams and visions, which we'll see play out in the following chapters. God strengthened them for Babylon, both naturally and supernaturally. But secondly, God strengthened these men with the family that he put around them. He strengthened them internally, but he strengthened them with the family that he put around them externally. God gave Daniel three friends to walk through Babylon with. And you'll see throughout this book, they are regularly coming together to pray and seek God together and ask for wisdom and ask for help. They're relying on each other and they're talking with each other all throughout this book. You see, you need the people of God around you. You've got a spiritual family around you that the spirit of God will use to strengthen you. And so God will strengthen you by his spirit as you make your way through Babylon. So a few big ideas, a few takeaways from everything that we've talked about. 
The first one is from last week. Just a reminder. First of all, remember this. God takes you through Babylon, not out of Babylon. Until Jesus returns and defeats Babylon and takes us into his kingdom, we are walking through Babylon. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, my God, are with me. God takes us through Babylon, not out of Babylon. And so you need the spirit of God inside you and the people of God around you as you make your way through Babylon. And we said last week, remember, God has you where you are for a reason. Just like he had Daniel and his friends where they are for a reason, to use them as missionaries in Babylon to tell and to talk about, to share about the one true God. God has you where you are for a reason. And it's to be a missionary, to be a light unto the nations. And so God takes us through Babylon and Adabon. Now, now, now here's two big ideas for today, all right? Here, here's the first one. Faithfulness to God is being in Babylon, but not of Babylon. Faithfulness to God is being in Babylon, not of Babylon. Full assimilation in Babylon is not faithfulness. Jesus said and prayed for his disciples to be in the world, but not of the world. And some of us believers have been brainwashed by Babylon. And that just happens when you live in Babylon, but you're not living in God's word. It's God's word that transforms your mind and, and the way that you think from the inside out. And, and so if you're not diving into God's word, and that's one of the reasons we're doing a series like this, and we're gonna be doing a lot more of series like this, so that we can dive in to God's word because it's God's word that will transform your mind, will transform the way that you think. So if you're living in Babylon, but you're not living in the word of God, then you've been brainwashed and you're believing wrong things. If you're not living in God's word while you live in Babylon. So we need the spirit of God to open our eyes. We need the word of God to transform us from the inside out. Just like Jesus said when he was tempted by Satan. No, 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 no. That's not what God's word says. Here's what's written. I, I, I know who I am. I know who I am. I know whose I am. Because I've been living in God's word while I live in Babylon. We need the spirit of God to open our eyes. We need the word of God to transform us from the inside out. We need the people of God around us to encourage us and to pray for us, to hold us accountable. And so I would challenge you to get into a city group if you're not already in one, where we're discussing the book of Daniel. We've got a discussion guide for our groups. And so I would challenge you to get into a group right now. It's a great time. A lot of people are getting into groups, discussing the book of Daniel with the questions and the, and the guide that we've provided. Or maybe you just need to start a group for your family and friends. And that's easy to do too. You just go on our app under city groups and you can select find a group or start a group. You select start a group, then Brandon, one of our pastors will be in touch with you, give you the, the leader's guide and, and help you get your group started. It's easy. It couldn't be easier right now because we've provided this leader's guide every week to help you lead your group and discuss the book of Daniel. So we need the spirit of God, the word of God, and the people of God. That we might be in Babylon, but not of Babylon. Now, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you're watching online right now and you've never given your life to Jesus, here's what you've got to understand. From the scripture's perspective, from God's perspective, it is unbelievers who have been brainwashed by the spirit of Babylon. Our culture today will say that Christians have been brainwashed, but from the perspective of God and his word, it's actually unbelievers who have been brainwashed by the spirit of Babylon. In fact, the scripture tells us the God of this age, Satan, the spirit of Babylon, has put blinders over the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot see the beauty of the gospel. And so my hope, my prayer today is that maybe God is doing a miracle in your heart right now in this moment to remove those blinders that the God of this age, the spirit of Babylon has put over your eyes and brainwashed you with. And maybe God would do a miracle in your heart in this moment and that you would see that the King of Kings, the one true King, Jesus, your King, my King died on the cross for you. 
You see, the spirit of Babylon is leading you to hell if you've never given your life to Jesus, to eternal destruction. But the great news is that your king, Jesus, loved you so much that he came and died on a cross in your place for your sin so that if you would give your life to Jesus, if you would bow your knee to King Jesus and believe in King Jesus, your sin would be forgiven, you would be made right with God and you could know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. If you would bow your knee and give your life to King Jesus. And so I believe today that there's some Babylonians who are gonna become believers. And that's my prayer for you. And if that's you and you would say, I I need to give my life to Jesus, then jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Christ today. Here's the last big idea and then we're done. God and his people have victory over Babylon. God and his people have victory over Babylon. Look in verse 21. It says that Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. That's the king of Persia. So Daniel outlasts Nebuchadnezzar and he outlasts the nation of Babylon. He he outlasts them both. In fact, Daniel not only outlasts Babylon, he outlasts Persia and he outlasts Greece and he outlasts Rome and he will outlast America. Why? because Daniel believed in Jesus. He believed in a Messiah who was going to come and die in his place for his sin. So Daniel is with Jesus now. Daniel's faith has become sight. And that is the future fate of all of the children of God. You will outlast nations and kingdoms and rulers and this world itself. You will outlast. One day, if you're a follower of Jesus, your faith will be sight and you will be with Daniel and you will be with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, it is so incredible. Uh, It is transforming. God, I love it. And I just pray that you would give us a fire in our hearts, a hunger in our hearts for your word. God, I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds through this series. God, I pray that Babylonians would become believers. God, I pray that believers God would realize and understand their deep need for your spirit to work in them, for the word of God to transform them and for the people of God to be around them as a support. So God, would you help us by your spirit to be in Babylon, but not of Babylon. And we pray that in Jesus name, amen.